Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. In uh, Luke, Luke records this in uh, chapter 2. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that today we have an opportunity to celebrate that gift of your son. Um, God, we can't even imagine uh, just the excitement and the celebration that was happening in heaven at that very moment in time when you sent your son to this earth. And Father God, we just say thank you so much for the gift of salvation that came through your son. Thank you, Father God, that anyone, anyone who will put their faith and their trust in you will experience salvation, will experience being able to be reconciled to you, God. We thank you so much for the grace and the mercy that you give us every single day. We thank you, God, that because of that gift, every single burden we have, every single hang-up, every single uh, hurt we have, we can lay at your feet, God, knowing that you are enough, knowing that you are there to walk us through, to be there with us, uh, so that we don't have to go alone. Father God, thank you so much for what that gift means to each and every single one of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have you ever had a a holiday that just did not go as planned or expected? Have you ever had a time where you you had something in your mind and you thought it was going to be so, so wonderful and yet it flopped in front of you? I can tell you I have you beat 100%. I know it, I know it. You, You see... We had in our minds, Mary and I, we were going to have a grand, grand wedding banquet. There was going to be all of our friends and all of our family together. We were going to have so much food. We were going to have so much music and dancing. It was going to be a great, great time. And that's not quite what we got. You you see, now I'm, I'm... Going ahead of myself here, we, we, Mary and I, we signed the ketuva. We signed the legal document to be married, and Mary's mom was, oh, so excited. She was so excited. She bragged to all of her friends about, about me. And, and, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just a simple carpenter, but Mary's mom told me how I was so smart and such a hard worker that one day, one day I would have many carpenters working underneath me, and I was going to be somebody in Nazareth, but even more importantly, she knew I would treat Mary good. She knew I would be good to her. And Mary's dad, he he was an astute and sharp businessman. He immediately began planning for the wedding, and he was so proud of me that he knew I was a faithful Jew to my bones. He knew I would raise good, faithful Jews in our children, and he could be proud of his grandchildren. So 
he was proud of me as well. And we were looking so forward to this. We thought in a year's time, around this time now, we would have this grand celebration and it would be the happiest day and the most exciting day of my life. And that's not quite what happened. You see, Mary announces to me one day that she is with child. But it's okay because God gave it to her. And I was not, I didn't, I wasn't born just yesterday. I didn't fall off a turnip truck and I thought, Mary, what? What? But she claimed to have an, a visitation. She claimed an angel was in front of her. And now, while I'm a person of faith, and there's a history of that happening in our people, our people during times and seasons, there have been angels to come and visit us. Uh, it's never happened to us, though. It never happened to me or anyone I've known, even though I believe it could happen. She had a, a vision. Well, as I was trying to figure out what to do, I had a dream. I had the dream from an from a, from a angel that told me that it would be okay and that I was to take Mary, that she was with child, but the Holy Spirit gave her this child and he would be the Messiah, the Messiah, the Amashiach that would take away the sins of our people and, and that I was to raise him as my own. And so we had that dream, and we discovered, we realized that we didn't have a choice. Oh, we, we had a choice, but we didn't have a choice. We had to be together. It was the Lord's will for us to be together. God wanted us together, and for me to take Mary, that would be, I, I would be in the center of his will. And I tell you, when we said yes to that plan, and we agreed to that, I discovered something about following the Lord's will. And that was, it is so hard. It is hard. You see, when we said yes, I just assumed that the next step would be easy to follow and the next step and the next step and the next step and I would be able to go from one to the next to the next and we would just, like it was written in the sky or something. I expected that when we announced to our friends and to our family that, that everything would be happy. But you know what? It was hard. But one of the things we did was we moved the marriage up very quickly, very quickly. And so we had to tell our parents what had happened. And let me tell you, that was hard. When I told my mother, in a word, she was devastated. You see, she thought I was covering for Mary's infidelity. And she would tell me, Joseph, just stop and breathe. You will find another woman that will be good for you and good to you and will be faithful and loyal. Just stop and think about this for a moment. And I would say, mother, mother, I have thought about this. I have done nothing but thought about this for a long time. And I know this is what we're supposed to do. And when we went to talk to Mary's parents, oh, her father, if looks could kill he wouldn't speak to me. He wouldn't talk to me. And you know, he was so angry, he wouldn't even allow his family to come to our wedding that day. And to this day, I still am convinced he believes that we've some, done something to disrespect and destroy his family. And, and to, for me, that I, I disrespected Mary in a horrible way. And, and, and he still is not right with us. So 
We had our wedding, but there was no food. There was no festivities. There was no dancing. There was no music. There were very few friends there. But you know what? We had each other. We had each other. And we discovered that that and being in what we believe was the center of God's will was enough for us. And this sounds strange that in the midst of all of this turmoil, we did experience the peace of God. We knew that God was operating in a way that we never had experienced him before. We knew and understood that God was active within us and that God was doing something so very special in Mary's life. And it was a sweet time. We had each other, and that was really all we had. Because at one point, I just the, the pressure was getting so big in our little town. So many people talking, and one of the things I learned was people will be people, especially religious people. And boy, there were some mean things being said. And there were there were snickers and there was there was laughing and pointing and and we just just felt like Mary needed to be away, so we sent her to her cousin for a time, Elizabeth. And she was with Elizabeth for a while just to just to maybe take some of the pressure off of her pregnancy. During that time, I assumed that I would just be busy with work because up until that time, my I had so much business I couldn't keep up. So many orders. Well, you know what? Good, faithful Torah believers did not want to do business with people like me. So business began to dry up. Not so many people were coming into my shop to, to get orders done. I did have business with the Romans who were coming into a nearby community, they would do business with me because they didn't care about my family. They didn't care about my personal choices. They just wanted a good product for a very low price. So I was working, but I was barely making it because I was not making very much for my, my products. But we were, we were in the peace of God. We knew we were in the presence of God. And then, in the midst of the pregnancy, as we were preparing, as we were making plans, Mary's mother did come along and she put her husband straight and said that my daughter is not going to be alone in this pregnancy. And so she was there to help us and we secured a good midwife to be there. And in the midst of that, we get an order from Caesar. Ah, oh, Caesar. And so we stayed in Nazareth for as long as we possibly could, hoping Jesus would come. But Jesus waited. And in that time period, we discovered that Caesar would not wait. Ah, the Romans once again, they insert themselves into our lives. And they insist on us doing life according to their plans and not according to our plans. And I long for the day, I long for the day that, that we will be free people. We will be people that we can, the, the people we want to be. We can be the people of God without, without a Roman government telling us how to live or what to do. And we were told to go on a journey. And so here I am, I find myself 60 miles into this journey with still at least a day and a half to go. And our feet are swollen. We are dusty. We are tired. We are worn out. And that's the least of my problems. 
because we were wondering what's going to happen to Mary. Can she hold on? Because there's signs. She looks like she is about ready to have a baby. And we don't want to have this baby on the road. Doesn't God understand? Doesn't he? No, we've said yes to God. And now it seems like he's telling us to have this baby in a, a very difficult place. God knows how difficult pregnancy is in my country with my people. God knows that, that so many of our women die from childbirth. He knows that in our land, if you're 35 years old and a woman, you're old. Because there's not very many women that have children and live after their early 20s. And this is a dangerous position. The only good thing about this trip is because there's so many people on the road, we don't have to fear for robbers or, or, or highway men, those scoundrels that live outside of the law. That they're, they're gone because there's just too many people on the road. But the bad thing is, is this is dangerous for us. Couldn't, it, couldn't God put it in Caesar's heart to make his decree in a few years from now? a few months from now even, before we had to do this trip. But, but no, God, you know, Caesar said what he said. And so here we are on this road, and we're traveling. And one of the things that I've learned already in my young marriage is that the more talking I do, the more irritated Mary gets. So we've learned to just be silent on the road, and she's been thinking a lot, and I've been thinking a lot. And I just keep on coming back. I keep on coming back to Caesar. Why would Caesar do this? Because there's some people that think that life is all these different activities that don't have any connections with one another. And they're just there in happenstance. And just by chance, things happen. And we kind of are just at, at, some, at, at, at the prey and the mercy of, of chance and at the mercy of fate and Really, they're just everything's just in an upheaval. But see, I cannot believe that. My faith does not allow me to believe that. My faith does not allow me to see that as I look through Holy Scripture, I see a God who is working line by line, item by item, and Caesar or Herod or Nebuchadnezzar or Pharaoh or any other person cannot oppose God's mercy and cannot oppose God's will. Well, my understanding of Scripture is that, that God's not standing on his throne looking at what the world leaders do, does and then, and then has to make plans according to them. It's the other way around. And so I believe that God has put it in Caesar's heart to decree and force us to move to Bethlehem. I believe that, that we're a part, this is a part of his plan, even though it's so hard. It's so hard and so inconvenient, it seems. It doesn't seem like this would fit into my plan. And so there I was walking down this road, thinking and thinking and thinking. And I was thinking how hard it is to be in the center of God's will. And in that very moment, I was reminded of a little prophecy by a little-known prophet that I read as a boy named Micah. And Micah said, he said, he was speaking on behalf of God, and he said, you, you, O Bethlehem, 
Even though you are so little, out of you, I will call a great leader to rule Israel. That's a, that's a prophecy that we take to see that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. And I never thought about that at the time. I didn't think that we needed to move to Bethlehem. I didn't think about those things. But God was reminded of those things. God knew those things, and God moved us there. And again, I just sit back in my maze going, could it be? Could it be? Is it true? Is it true that, that in Mary is the Messiah? The one to remove our sin? The one to free Israel and free our people? Could that be true? Because, again, I, as I said earlier, Mary had a, she had a visitation, and that's, that's something that is hard to forget. But at the end of the day, I had a dream, and while I believe what happened to that dream was from God, I must say in the hard times, there's times I wonder, was it just a dream? Was it just a dream? And so I go back to the fact that we believe we are in the center of God's will, but it is hard. It is hard. You know, this journey was not a journey I prepared for. It was not a journey I asked for. And yet here I am on this road with Mary and our unborn child. And as I'm sitting there reflecting on it, I think, you know, isn't that the story of my people? I mean, to go on a journey you don't ask for, to go on a journey you don't want, and it's the hardest road, but it's the road God would have for you, that describes my people, doesn't it? I mean, you think about Noah. He was going on his merry way in life, and he never asked God to pull him out of the mass to save humanity and save creation from a flood. And there he labored all those years on a boat, a boat, when no one knew what a boat was. And he, all he had was his family. All he had was his faith. And no one else supported him in that. And I think of Abram, our father, who retired and was living amongst his family. And in an old age, God taps him on a shoulder and says, you are going on a journey with only you and your family. Pack up now. And I am sending you somewhere you don't know, but you'll know when you get there. He didn't ask for that. And yet he went on that lonely road. And now he's our father today. And I think of Job. You know, Job didn't ask to be tested by Satan. He didn't ask to, to show the world his faith. And yet his family was stripped from him. His wealth was stripped from him. His health was stripped from him. Job loses everything. In the midst of losing everything, he discovers that with God, he had everything. He didn't ask for that, though. And of course, my favorite character, Daniel. Think of Daniel. He didn't ask to go to Babylon. He didn't ask to go and be one of Nebuchadnezzar's lead council. He didn't ask to go to a lion's den. He was just being a faithful Jew. And he was forced to go on a road he didn't plan for to a lion's den. And yet, we see that he experiences the faithfulness of God and he, he does an incredible work for his people and we still are talking about him to this day. It's amazing how God puts us on roads we don't ask for and does incredible things through us and in us at the same time. 
It's amazing to me. And so I find myself today, I find myself today, I, I have hope. I have hope. I, I have hope in God. I have hope that we will make it at the end of this journey. I have hope that we will find a family member of mine that will have room for us to have, have Jesus. I have hope that Mary will have Jesus in a healthy, healthy birth. I have hope that I will raise Jesus in a way that God expects me to raise him, to protect him the way he looks to me to protect him. I have hope that Jesus will do what he came here for and that we will experience him as Messiah. I have hope. But I also tell you this. I sometimes in that hope find myself on this journey tired. I'm tired. And when I get tired in life, I get disconnected. I disconnect from my family. I disconnect from my friends. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be with people. I disconnect from God. I don't want to hear from Him. And I find myself just wanting to be alone in my tiredness. So what do I do to battle that? What do I do to fight that? Well, from the time I was a boy, I learned that when I got tired, I had to go to my North Star to guide me to truth. I had to go to my compass. I had to go to my, my core. And that was the Torah. The scripture, the God's revelation, our God's revelation to us on paper. And so I find myself on this journey thinking a lot and thinking about how tired I am and thinking about how hard life is. And I go to the prophets. I think of one prophet in particular, Isaiah, as he is speaking to me. And I think this might be relevant to you. He asked, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is above Caesar. He is above Herod. He is above any leader. He is above any dictator. He is above any circumstance, even the, even the circumstances that lead us on trips we don't ask for. He will not grow tired or weary, the prophet says. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, the prophet reminds us. But those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. He, he gives us a promise. They will, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So... Are you like me where you're tired? You're just worn? And maybe together we take in this promise that when we place our hope in the Lord, we will be renewed. Our energy will be restored. Maybe we do this together as a family, as people that love one another and love the Lord. Maybe we do this as a group and we seek the Lord and put our hope in him. But my time is, is drawing nigh. It's time for me to go on my journey. So I say to you, shalom tonight. Peace be with you. Thank you 
for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.